worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again, for your promise is yes and amen, you will do great things, God you do great things, oh hero of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things hallelujah god above it all Unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things you have done great things oh god you do great Well, good morning. So, one year ago today, I was laying in the bed, and uh, 
Courtney said, Justin, come into the kitchen. I was like, oh. I walk around the corner, and she has this little board that says, for this baby we have prayed, and a test, and a little onesie. And I get in the car, and I come to church, and I walk in the office door, and Jamie says, Happy Father's Day, Justin. And he said, oh, wait, well, maybe not, maybe, maybe next year. And he didn't know that 15 minutes before I just found out that I was a dad. Um, and then we did prayer time, and uh, after prayer time, of course, we prayed for our fathers, and I'm a blubbery mess inside. You don't know it, but I am. And then my dad walks up and gives me a hug after that. And um, so here we are one year later. I've got a four-month-old little girl. Miss Everly, Virginia, but God has done great things in my life this year, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him do more great things in our lives and in her life. So if you will this morning, just stand up. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art and Good, Good Father.
Well, good morning. It's one thing to say Happy Father's Day, and I want to wish all you fathers a Happy Father's Day. But when you tell your children Happy Father's Day, because they got children, it's pretty exciting. But I want to wish you a Happy Father's Day. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture and have prayer. David writes in Psalms 13. In verses 1 through 3, he writes concerning back in 1 Samuel 30 when uh, his children were taken into captivity and Ziglag was burned and his wife was taken into captivity and he was broken and he writes these words he says how long O Lord will you forget me forever God are you not going to answer my prayer and I think sometimes we're like that and he goes on and he writes this how long will you hide your face from me you know, in the time of this pandemic, God is not hiding his face from us. He hears and he answers prayer. And it goes on, he says in, in, in Isaiah 49, verse 16, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. God has tattooed your name on the palm of his hands. He knows you, he loves you, and he cares about you. And you know what? If you read on those stories about David's life, God brought back all that he lost and then some. In finishing this writing, reading in, in Psalm 13, verse 3, it says this. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes. God, open my eyes again. Fill my life with answers. And you know what? God does. I want to pray this morning. I want to pray for the Fox family. I was talking to Wesley this morning about his mom. She's not well. And I really want to lift them up in prayer. I know what that's like. But you know what? God's on his throne. And he hears and he answers prayer. I want to pray about this pandemic and all that we're facing. That God will bring healing to our land and our nation. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you're on your throne and that your name is above every name. And Father, we come to exalt you. We come to lift you up. And Father, we're so grateful. When we're desperate and we cry out like David did, that you hear us and you answer prayer. And Lord, you enlighten our eyes. Lord, you give us vision and hope. And Lord, you bring comfort and peace and security. And Father, we pray for our nation. We pray that you would bring a great renewal and revival to your church and to your people. And Father, we pray that, Lord, that you'd push back this pandemic and that you'd bring healing to our nation, spiritually and physically. I pray that you'd raise us up and use us for your honor and for your glory and for the fatherment of your kingdom. And Father, we want to tell you this morning, Happy Father's Day. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for living within us. Thank you for saving us this morning. Thank you for forgiveness and grace and mercy every day. And Father, we want to pray for the Fox family this morning that your grace would be sufficient for them today and the days to come. All this we pray in Christ's name. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Good morning and happy Father's Day, and if you're blessed enough, let me say happy Grandpa's Day, which is a bi as, as big a blessing. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse today, verse 7, and I just want to say at the end of the service, I'm going to dismiss you by sections, and if you will, uh, when we dismiss you, uh, please go one row at a time, and we have one way in and one way out, both of those doors, if you will, please uh, honor us by doing that. I also want to mention, too, as you're finding your way to 1 Peter chapter 3, that this Wednesday uh, at 6 p.m. in the conference room, I'll need to meet with all our deacons, even the, the guys that are coming on for this next uh, upcoming year. Please be there. This will be our uh, deacons meet where we vote on our budget and all these sorts of things. And you guys that serve know what I'm talking about. So please be here for that. If you have your Bible, stand with me out of respect and honor for God's word. The title of the message this morning is What Happened to Dad? Scholars will tell you, of course, you know this, Peter was uh, a husband. We're assuming he was a dad, but what we do understand about Peter's life, if you read the Gospels, and then you read it, uh, Peter's epistles, it's an amazing change in the life of Peter. Peter's epistles are just amazing. And it's amazing how God took this fisherman and gave him so much insight and, and depth of theological knowledge. And then when he comes to marriage, it's amazing. You know, Peter, Peter tried to cut a guy's head off. And then here he is talking about having, listen, compassion kindness and gentleness toward your spouse see that's the difference jesus makes in a marriage peter would say this also in first peter chapter 2 he says if you work for somebody you show that person respect he says you even show your government respect as much as lies within you whether you believe uh, uh, agree with them or not and he says if you'll do that people will see how you live and quite possibly give their lives to Christ. And then he comes to marriage. Now listen to this, men. Listen to what he says in, in verse 7. Husbands, likewise. Look at the word likewise. That points back to chapter 2 and exactly what he says about the wives. Okay? And he tells the wives this. He says this to the wives. Don't try to argue your husband into it. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, he will observe. Look at the word observe. That means I'm an eyewitness in the home. He'll observe Christ in your life, and perhaps that will win him to the Lord. See, sometimes words, you can only say too many words to people. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But there's sometimes they're going to see your life, and they're going to see how you live, and that's the only way you're going to be able to witness to them. And he says this, husbands, likewise. And what he's saying here is this, 
The very same thing I said to wives about being kind and gentle and respectful, the same thing I said to masters and those that work under them, the same thing I say to people who live in a culture where they may not agree with the government, I'm saying to you, okay? You show this gentleness, you show this respect, you show this kindness. Likewise, dwell with them, meaning your wife, with understanding, giving honor. So what he's saying, man, is this. There's two commands, and it's coming from Peter. It's an apostolic command here. You dwell with your wives with understanding, and then you honor them. Notice what he says. To the wife, as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to tell you that we love you, we praise you, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that you're ultimately our Father. Father, only those who believe have the right to be called the sons of God. And you're a father to the fatherless. And Father, I speak to every man here today the importance of a dad, the importance of a husband, the importance of a father can never be overstated. Most of the problems in society come because dads are absent. And Father, I pray that you'd encourage everyone listening online. Father, those of us here today, thank you for the, that we can meet together. Father, I pray that you'd encourage us today. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage me. Lord, challenge us, convict us, and change us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. When Peter writes First and Second Peter, you have to understand that when Rome saw... Christianity, they didn't see them as a sect at first because they were, being, they were in the synagogues. They saw them just as the Jews. They didn't take the Jews very serious, but the Jews bothered nobody. They worshiped in their synagogues. They worked. They were good citizens. They did not really evangelize at all. But when Christianity left the synagogue and people started evangelizing, Rome got upset and they started making Christianity illegal. As a matter of fact, it could cost you your job. They looked at you different. It cost you so much to be a Christian in Peter's day. And Peter says, even if that happens, you still live a life worthy of being a Christian. Pliny, the younger, a Roman attorney, near the end of the first century when this was being written, wrote a letter to the emperor in which he described Christianity as having influenced all ages of Bithynia, both young and old, both in the country and in the city, so much so that the pagan temples were almost completely destroyed. And what Peter says is this in chapter 2. Hey, you be a good citizen. You outwork everybody in the workplace, if, whether they treat you right or not. And then to the wives, he says this in verse 2, and we'll read this again in verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. What an amazing statement. And then he goes to the husbands, and he says this. He would say this. A man who loves Jesus, a man who's been uh, changed by Jesus, he will be devoted to his wife. What does that mean? Notice verse, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them or dwell with your wives. When One translation says, dwell with your wife. That means you're a one-woman man. Live with your wife, not somebody else's wife. Live with your wife, not your girlfriend or even your fiancé, but your wife. Hebrews says this on the screen. says this, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Look at the word honor. It means precious or valuable. To God, marriage between a man and a woman is precious. It's the same word used of the precious stone in 1 Corinthians 3.12. It's the same word Peter used when he talks about the precious blood 
of Christ. It's the same word Peter uses in 2 Peter when he talks about the precious, magnificent promises of God. This tells you the high and holy value God himself places on the institution of marriage. You know what Peter's saying? You want to win the world to Christ? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. You want, you want the world to know that Jesus Christ has changed your life? It's one thing to live one way at work. It's one thing to live one way at, at church. It's quite another to live that way at home. Amen? And he says, you dwell with your wife. You dwell with your wife, men. That means you're a one-woman man. Look at the word. Look at the marriage bed. That's a euphemism for the intimacy in marriage. He says, your marriage bed is to be kept pure. That means without contamination, unpolluted, unstained, unstained. The idea is that the marriage bed should be in perfect condition, free from any spot of moral dirt or ethical pollution. We honor marriage by guarding ourselves from sexual sin. Paul said this. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Man, let me ask you a question. Can you, when you go home today, can you look your wife in the eye and say without hesitation, I'm talking about your hands not shaking, that my marriage, our marriage bed has not been undefiled. Can you look your wife in the eye without hesitation, without blinking, and saying, since we said I do, I've said I don't to every other woman on the planet. Can you say that? Peter says this, husbands likewise dwell with your wife. Your wife, not someone else's wives. The biggest problems we're having in Alexander County is that men are dwelling with other people's wives. I'm just going to be honest with you. What happened to dad? Dad is faithful to mom. If he's devoted to you, ladies, he will be faithful to you and you alone. Your wife does not have to worry about you. She don't have to worry about you opening up your heart to another woman. She don't have to worry about your phone calls or your texts or your social media because you are devoted to her. And if you're devoted to her, you are faithful to her and your marriage bed is undefiled. I remember several years at Promise Keepers, Bruce Wilkins shared a story. I think it was in late 80s, early 90s, back when we had pay phones. And he said he was speaking to about 2,500 men, he said, in an arbor. And he said he was talking about adultery. And he says, he says God tells us to stop it, to repent. What that means is, if you're going to repent, you tell your wife and you tell the other woman that it's over. He said, the first phone call you make to is the other woman. And he says, I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight. Now think about this. It's at night, out in the arbor, 2,500 men sitting in bleachers. He says, right up that gravel driveway, about 25 to 30 yards, is a payphone. One quarter can change your life forever. And he says, I'm going to pray, and let's see what happens. So he started praying. <laughs> and he said, amen. He just sat there. He said, about that time, he heard a guy stand up, walk down the bleachers, had one of them chain billfolds. He could hear it. He said, all you heard was this guy's feet walking. And then you hear this. Click, quarter drops. After that quarter drops, hundreds of men line up to make a phone call. You know why I say that? Either on Facebook, on East Tales' website, or in this church, there may be some people here that need to make a phone call. Now, if you're devoted to your wife, you're faithful to her and her alone. Amen? Be devoted to your wife. I remember Chuck Swindoll saying that before he went in, I don't know what war he was in, I don't know if it was a Korean war or whatever. He said he got married right before he left, and he told his wife this. He said, I was 20 years old. 
He said, I was with my wife for two weeks. Go into the military, and he promised her, he said, I promise you I'll be faithful. And they had all heard the stories of what happens on the weekends in the military. And he said in his barracks, I don't know how many it was, he said hundreds of men. He said 92%, it's Chuck Swindoll saying this, 92% of those men, by the time the war started, to up to that point, 92% of them had already contracted a sexually transmitted disease. And then he says, you know what happened? Listen to this. The war ended, and they had to go home to their wives. Listen, if a man is fake, devoted to his wife, he'll be faithful to her. The second thing is this. Look at the word dwell. Notice what the word dwell in the Greek. It means to house with. It means to live with. This was so unique in Peter's day. It means that you house with your wife. We use the term housewife, but not the term house husband in a very real sense. That's the term here. Dad is at home. Husbands, make your house a home. Do you enjoy time together with your spouse? I read, and I think I shared this on Mother's Day recently, the results of one survey that the average husband and wife talk about 37 minutes per week. Solomon said this, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun, for this is your reward in life. And if a man dwells with his wife, you know who else he's dwelling with? He's dwelling with his kids. We have an epidemic in the white and black communities where there are no dads. You don't see it as much in the Asian community or the Hispanic community. You take white uh, community and black community, and the number one problem in the white community and black community is fatherless homes. Studies will show it. In fatherless homes, poverty, children in father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. Anybody grow up in a fatherless home? You know, when I was in a, grew up in a fatherless home, I, I earned my free lunch card. Didn't everybody get free lunch? Hardly none of my classmates had free lunch when I grew up. I had free lunch. When you grow up in a fatherless home, you will experience poverty like other families do not. Not only that, but think about this also. Drug and alcohol abuse. The U.S. Department of Health and Services states fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Educational achievement don't happen all the time, but most of the time they have a lower grade point average. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, which is five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. Last time I spoke at the Alexander County Detention Center, there were 15 to 20 young people there. I said, how many of you all have a dad at home? Nobody raised their hand. The last time I spoke at Alexander County Prison, two services I did, over 100 men in each service, I said, how many of you had a dad in your life who was in your life? Three people raised their hands. So what's the problem in the white and black community? Fatherless homes is the number one problem. You can make all these other excuses you want to. That's the number one problem. Not only that, think about this. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, which is nine times the average. Now look at verse 7 again. Husbands, dwell with them or dwell with your wife. You're going to change America if you'll just do that. Isn't it amazing? And then he says this, not only is he devoted to you, but he understands you. Dwell with them with understanding. You know what that means? That means two things. Number one, men, you study your wife. This is a command from Peter. He says, study, your job is to study your wife, get to know her intimately, live together with her on the basis of that knowledge. Now listen to what one, I heard a pastor, he's an older gentleman, 
And he was preaching to his congregation on this verse. And he said, the reason is, if you notice the word likewise, in verse 7, he says, men, likewise, you're to be meek, you're to be gentle, you're to be kind, you're to be respectful, you're to be compassionate. Just like it says in chapter 2, and the same thing it says to the wife, he says, the problem with most men, especially in Peter's day, is they were so proud. And he made this statement, and you better listen. A proud man cannot know the heart of a woman or speak to it. A proud man cannot know the heart of a woman or speak to it. Arrogance gives rise to ignorance. Most men are dumb when it comes to a woman because they're too proud. This is your duty. Knowledge and understanding of a woman comes through humility. You're living with her for the rest of your life. Stop being ignorant and stop making excuses. You may say, well, I had a bad dad. Does Peter say... If you had a bad dad, you get a pass. He doesn't. That's your duty. It's not your daddy's duty to know your wife. It's yours. Dwell with them with understanding. This is a command. So what must you do? You must humble yourself and be willing to learn about your wife. You're to ask questions. You're to listen. You're to con- have a conversation with your wife. It's okay to ask questions. But you know the one question you'll never get an answer to from your wife? Where do you want to eat? Because you don't know. You never know. You never know. One, one scholar put it this way. Know your wife. Study her. Get to know what makes her tick. Figure out how her mind works. Learn what her gifts are. Her desires, her talents, her hopes, her dreams. A Christian husband who really knows his wife sees her talents and abilities. Opens the door and says, go for it. Notice what else. The command of Peter here implies that you act upon what you understand. You act upon it because you know what your wife wants. You see... When, when I was first married, at, after a while, my wife stayed at home with our kids. It just worked out better for us that way. Then she was a teacher's assistant for about 12 years. Then as our kids got older, she wanted to be a paramedic. She took two years off from everything, and you just sacrifice to make it happen. You just do. When you're used to two incomes and you go down to one, you just sacrifice to make it happen. You eat a lot of bologna. <laughs> All right? But then you say, this is your dream. You give up your life. For this many years of our marriage, you go to live your life. Men, do you study your wife and know what she wants? Have you come to the point in your life and you said, hey, this is what you want to do, and I'm behind you 110%. And not only that, but if you understand your wife, you know what her needs are, and you meet them. Notice on the screen, the, the needs of a woman. Top five needs of a woman. These change a little bit, but not much. Affection, communication, open, honesty, financial stability, family commitment. None of the men's are that top five. Absolutely none. So do you know these things about your wife? Affection, communication, openness, honesty, financial stability. You know what these, these, these lead to? Three things. Protection. Your wife wants to feel protected. Okay. Does your wife feel protected around you? Does your family feel protected financially, emotionally, physically? Hey, do you, does your family feel protected around you physically? I mean, they're wanting to defund the police in all these, country, all these cities. You know what? When I go out with my family, I'm the police. I deputized myself in 2012. I'm the police. Does your family feel protected around you? You can defund the police all you want to. I'm the police in my family. 648 Shook Lane, I'm the police. All right? Do they feel protected? What about security? Does your family feel uh, financially secure? Man, let me ask you a question. If you died today... With your house payment and your vehicle payment, what are you leaving your wife? Do you have a life insurance policy? Does your wife 
does your wife feel protected? Typically, men die before their wives. Do you know that in this county, I don't know how many wives I've talked to, widows, who had to get a job later in life because their husband died and left them a truck payment and a house payment and no way of paying for it. Does your wife feel secure? Does your wife feel secure? If you died today, what are you leaving your wife? Don't leave her a mess, amen? Protect your family, protect your wife. Hey, listen, your wife wants to feel stability. Listen to this. I know preachers who move their family every four years. What unstable people? Could you imagine finding a new house every four years because your spouse is so unstable? Your family wants stability. Does your wife feel appreciated and safe? Now, let me, I'll say this, man. Listen, if your yard is a mess, your flower bed's full of weeds, weeds there's trash everywhere, you got socks on the floor, you leave the toilet seat up, you never share the remote, you barely bathe, you dress like a bum and you're financially immature, immature. what you're saying to the community is, I don't love my wife and I'm a terrible example of Christ. Happy Father's Day. Dwell with your wife with understanding. And then the third thing is this. Notice, he will honor you, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Listen to this quote. Talk about politically incorrect in one phrase. Peter defies culture and defends God's created order. Peter is clearly saying that women are weaker than men. Peter is clearly telling men that they're supposed to treat women differently than men. Peter clearly states that the female sex is genetically and anatomically and inherently different from a man because for one thing, Peter now adds the word here, she is weaker. What does this mean? Someone, when it says she is weaker, your translation might read weaker vessel, which is the better translation. The word for weaker in the Greek relates to the fact that in general, the average woman is physically weaker than the average man. Rocket science, right? <laughs> Rocket science. Peter is not saying that women are intellectually weaker, morally weaker, mentally weaker, spiritually weaker, theologically weaker, weaker in their resolve or in their faith. They're just different. Kind of like cats and dogs, isn't it? I've shared this with you before, but listen. Cats, they usually do what they want. They rarely listen to you. They're totally unpredictable. They whine when they're not happy. When you want to play, they want to be alone. When you want to be alone, they want to play. They expect you to cater to their every whim, they're moody, they can drive you nuts and cost you an arm and a leg. They leave their hair everywhere. Cats are nothing more than tiny little women in fur coats. Now think about dogs. They lie around all day, sprawled on most comfortable piece of furniture in the house. They can hear a package of food opening half a block away, but they can't hear you when you're in the same room. They growl when they're not happy. When you want to play, they want to play. When you want to be alone, they want to play. They're great at begging. They'll love you forever if you just feed them. They'll leave their toys everywhere. They're so disgusting with their mouths. They try to give you a kiss. They can look dumb and level to all at the same time. Dogs are just tiny little men in fur coats. Are we not different? Do you know that Jesus treated women different? He treated women with respect. He treated women with respect. Study his interaction with women. Women followed Jesus. They'd kiss his feet, pour, pour perfume out on him, and at the cross, women were there when one disciple was there. Jesus treated women with respect and honor. Men, if you honor your wife, you'll treat her with respect. You'll honor her with your words. You never have the right to yell at your wife. If you do, you're emotionally, mentally, and spiritually weak. If you do. Speak to her with respect and honor. And then the final thing. He will lead you spiritually. And I want to read this commentary. Notice what the Bible says in verse 7 
Husbands, likewise, dwell with him with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice that word for hindered. Peter's, this is serious to Peter. The word for hindered is a military term for an army digging a trench in a road to stop the enemy's advance. It describes what Satan will do to your spiritual life. If husbands do not take this seriously, Satan will dig a trench and your prayers will never get through. The application of the principle in this passage in the life of every Christian husband is absolutely vital. No husband can expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, granting her honor. Man, what a verse Peter gave us. One verse. Gave the women six, gave the men one. What a verse, men. He says your whole prayer life, your whole spiritual life can be hindered if you don't treat your wife with dignity and respect. Greg Laurie put it this way. He said, too many men in Christian marriages are not spiritual leaders. They should be. At best, many men are passive. At worst, they're actually hindering the spiritual growth of the family. Yet no one can be a greater influence to his wife's spiritual growth than the husband or a greater influence to her spiritual growth. Men, choose today which one you will be. Think about this, men. If a father does not go to church and is not active, even if the wife does, only one child in 50 will eventually become a regular worshiper. One in 50. Men, where are you on Sundays? Where are you on Sundays? Since the Lord has saved me, my wife has never asked me to go to church, ever. Ever. This is my place. I'm the lead in my family. I'm the spiritual leader in my home. You don't ask me if we're going to church. My wife has never woken, <laughs> waken me on Sunday morning to get ready to go to church. My wife don't iron my clothes. Okay, It is a part of our life. Listen, if a father goes, does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will, att will attend church for the rest of their lives. If mom and dad both go, and they're regular, and they're, they're very faithful about it, about 93% of the time, their children will be born again, and they'll be a, a part of a church for the rest of their lives. So what happened to dad? Dad got saved. That's... Peter is describing what a normal Christian man should look like. A normal Christian man should look like. And listen, I don't know about how your relationship with your father was. Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad. But you don't have to repeat those things if they were bad, do you? You can place your faith and trust in Christ and be born again. Some of us in here today need to say this. This needs to be my prayer. God, I repent. Help me to be a better father and help me to be a better husband. God, make me the man I need to be. And if you say, what should I repent of? God will show you. Trust me. He'll show you. If you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Christ, place your faith and trust in Christ today. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, then I'll dismiss this. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I pray for every man in this room today, for everyone watching online. Father, we all fall short. All of us. Lord, one verse, such high standards Peter placed on us. Such wonderful, Lord, advice, and so, Lord, such a wonderful command. Lord, we all fall short. Lord, I pray that every, every wife and every child here would lift their dad up. Because, Lord, we all fall short. We do. And, Lord, let's lift these men up and show respect and honor to your husband and to your dad. What a high holy responsibility a man has and then for every man just admit your flaws to the Lord quietly we all have them I do 
And just thank God for grace, for forgiveness, and for his mercy. Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, that the story's not over. Lord, where we fall short, you can make up the difference. And Lord, every day is a new day. Lord, a righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up. And Father, make us and conform us into your image through the good times and through the bad. Bless every marriage here. Bless every father here. Lord, behind holy calling of being a dad and being a husband, Lord, there's nothing greater. And we thank you for it, and we praise you, and we give you honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for being here today. Aren't you thankful to be back?